My name's Vincent. I'm one of the student ministers here. And if you were at the Kids Holiday Club this week, I was also the non-copyrighted Dash Ketchum. Um, let's pray as we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word again. And we ask that you would help us not only to listen, but to obey. And we ask this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, there's an interesting thing that takes place when people learn different languages. I'm not sure if there are many bilinguals or maybe even trilinguals uh, in the hall today. Uh, but when you're learning a second language for the first time, there's lots of things that take place. You need to learn the alphabet of the second language. You need to learn uh, perhaps the grammar. You need to practice. You need to learn the vocab. There's lots of things to learn. Uh, but there comes a point when you've really learned the language, when it's kind of part of you, it's embedded. And that's when you start thinking in that second language. So on the screen, you'll see uh, the numbers there. So what's the first thing that pops through your mind? Now, when I was growing up, uh, my parents are Chinese, and uh, they speak the dialect of Cantonese. So when I was growing up, what would go through my mind is, yat yi sam se mlok tap Now, if you guys are Cantonese, any Cantonese in the room would realize I spoke that really, really badly. <laughs> um, but now, as I've grown up, as I've kind of had more and more Australian friends around me and I've been speaking more and more English, now when I see those numbers, what goes through my head is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Right? I start thinking in English. And that's when you really know um, that it's kind of sunken into you, that, that when you're learning that language, you really get it. It's part of you. It's not something that you're kind of just putting on, uh, but it's deeply embedded. Well, in the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at wisdom, spoken a lot on wisdom, spoken about what it means to follow Jesus, what would it look like for us to actually have Jesus as Lord, what does it look like for us to treat the cross as God's power, as God's wisdom. But here's the question, how do you know when you get it? How do you know when you actually understand it? It's not just something out there, but it's actually something that's part of your life that it changes you from inside out, that you're convicted of it, that's embedded deep within you? How do you know? Well, there's lots of different ways that the Bible allows us to answer this question. But in tonight's passage, uh, Paul gives us a diagnostic question. How do we know? Well, he says, ask yourself this question. What do you boast in? What do you boast in? Because you see, what you're proud of, what you're boasting, what you want other people to notice will change things in your life, will affect you. you know? So for instance, if you're one of those people that you know, you're kind of proud of the way you look, then you might spend time gelling your hair, making sure that your eye line stuff looks good, you know? <laughs> that you've got the right clothing. You know, what you're proud of will affect parts of your life, will affect what you hold to be significant. And more importantly, what you're proud of, what you boast in, will kind of show other people and show yourself what's really important for you. What's really important for you. And it's a question that has a bite as well, because if what we value, if what you hold to be important is not actually what God holds to be important, if what we boast in is not what actually God wants you to boast in, then maybe actually what is deeply embedded in you is not what God has to say, but what the world around us has to say. And so today's passage reveals two false paths 
Uh, the first is boasting in ourselves and boasting in the method, but then a positive path to boast in the Lord. So let's have a look firstly at what it looks like to boast in ourselves. And you'll see on the outline that I made a typing error. It's not boasting ourselves, ourselves. It's boasting in ourselves. But Paul begins by giving a pretty frank assessment of the Corinthian church that he's writing to. So verse 26, he says, Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful, not many of noble birth. See, when he looks at the church, when he looks at the Corinthian church, he goes, look, if you're looking for the wise people, it's not here. If you're looking for the influential people, you're not going to find them here either. And so if you were to summarize, you know, what do I think of the Corinthian church? It's unimpressive. It's unimportant. It's unworthy. And so there's not, nothing much that they can really offer. And yet, God has called them. He has chosen these people to be his people. And more than that, he has deliberately chosen these people. The very people that you would never think to choose for a team. The nobodies, the, the little people, the unworthy people. It's the equivalent of having an Olympic squad. You know, who do you pick? You go, I don't want Michael Phelps. I don't want that guy who can swim really fast. I don't want that guy who's really strong. Instead, I see that guy who's doing doggy paddles over there. I want him. Right? It's just, it, it's unfathomable. And that's why verse 27 says, Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. See, it shames the strong because they're going, well, why would you choose them? It shames the wise because the wise are going, well, why not me? And the answer, God chooses these people because he wants to confront us with his wisdom. He wants to confront us with his wisdom. See, we're used to a world which is chosen on merit. We're used to having something to offer. When you apply for a job, it asks you, what are your skills? What can you offer? What can you give us? What are the accomplishments that you have? And, you know, if you're applying for that job and you want that job, you don't say, well, you know, uh, I can't do much. Uh, I can't work in a team. I'm pretty bad. No, what you say, if you want to get that job, you go, this is what I have to offer. <laughs> you know, you go, I can work hard. I can um, work in a team. I'm really good at achieving all the things that you want me to. We live in a world which says, what can you offer? And so we think to ourselves, what do I have to offer? But verse 28, God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. See, God chooses the very people that have nothing to offer. And on one hand, this is the incredible news of the gospel. When we come to Jesus, we can't bring anything. It's all about what Jesus has done for us, nothing that we can do. When God, when we stand before the judgment throne, it's nothing that we can do. But I think here, when it talks about God's choosing, it's a challenge. It has a bite. Because it means that if God chooses not on what we can offer, then it means that we can't boast in anything. When we come before God, we can't say, look, God, look how great I am. Look how wonderful I am. We can't do that. It humbles us. And notice what it says. Consider your calling, 
verse 26. Consider your calling. That is, God is the one who chooses people to be saved. And it's one of those great truths of the Bible that on one hand, we need to turn and we need to repent and follow Jesus. But on the other hand, when it comes to salvation, it's all God's work from the beginning to the end. It's his spirit that works in us so that we turn to him. It's his mercy that grips us so that we will follow him. It's all God's work. And it's humbling. It's humbling to know that whole of salvation belongs to God. And it's even more humbling to think that the people that he chooses are the weak, it's the lowly, it's the despised. And so... As we think about this, I think this really goes against this whole idea of, you know, the Christian celebrity. You know, if you've ever looked in the newspaper sometimes, you'll see celebrities who go, yeah, I'm a Christian, I, I follow Jesus. Now, whether that's a genuine faith or not is not the matter. Because sometimes what you notice when people say that is some people will go, wow, that's great. You know, if this person has chosen Jesus, how much more attractive does that make the church? How much more impressive does that make Christianity? But they don't get it, do they? Because God doesn't rely on the powerful of the world. God doesn't rely on the impressive or the influential of the world. The whole point of what it's saying here is God can use anyone, especially the weak. Our salvation Christianity, it's about God, it's not about us. And so perhaps on a closer note for us then, what this really means for us is that we can't compare ourselves to one another. Now we have a tendency, don't we, where we go, we look at those who are really gifted and we go, wow, I I wish I was like them. I wish I had those gifts. I wish I could do that and people would be impressed by what I could do. Or else... We look at the other people and go, well, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad I'm, you know, I'm much more capable. Look how much I put in for Jesus over that person. But actually, salvation is not about us. Serving Jesus is not about us. This passage keeps reminding us it's about God and not us. And so when you see someone who's more gifted, give thanks when you see someone who's less gifted, work out how you can build them up. And if you're feeling weak, isn't it wonderful that God not only chooses the weak, but he uses the weak. See, when it comes to ourselves, we have nothing, nothing to boast in. And so let's keep the focus on God and not us. But then this moves us to our second point, which is boasting in the method boasting in the method. And here, Paul moves to the image of a salesman. You know, like, what do salesmen do? Well, they sell you a product, but you don't know whether the product is really good or bad, do you? You know, like, it's all about their technique. So that's why I hate going to a car dealership or anything like that, because I know nothing about cars. You know, the only thing I know about cars is that you put water in and it comes out when you press the button to clean the windows. So so when I go to buy a car... I don't know whether they're going to sell me a good car or a bad car, right? That's a salesman. It's all about technique. They can uh, talk the talk. They can say things that will sell you the product. But look at what Paul says. Verse 1. 
When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God, uh, of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom, for I didn't think it was a good idea to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, this is the complete opposite of boasting in the method. It's not flashy. It's not eloquent. Paul says, no, what I want to focus on is not the how, but the what, the message of Christ and him crucified. In fact, he goes even a bit further. Verse 3, he actually says, I came to you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith might not be based on men's wisdom, but God's power. See, I came to you in fear and trembling. I don't think Paul's saying, I'm a bad speaker. Instead, I think what Paul's saying is, I don't want you to be confused by what's at work. I don't want to use clever stories. I don't want to make myself impressive because what I want people to know is that what saves them is the gospel. The gospel. Let me illustrate this in the negative. Uh, Sometimes you can go to a conference or an event and you hear someone teaching from the Bible and as that happens, you know, they want to make it more attractive. And so what do they do? They, They start dimming down the lights They play some music, you know, and the speaker might start using a a really emotional and powerful story that kind of really stirs up your emotions. And at the end, you know what? Your emotions, they're stirred. You feel moved. You wow, wow. But here's the question. What, What caused that? The lights, the music, the story, or God? And so Paul's point is, He will proclaim the message in such a way that displays God's power and God's power alone. And it it reminds us that when we look around, we, we shouldn't look around for the preachers and the teachers who are charismatic and have big personalities. But we should look for people who preach and teach God's word and who trust in God's word. And perhaps that's what it calls for us to do, to trust in the gospel. See, notice verse 4, he says, My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit. See, how does the Spirit demonstrate powerfully? How is the Spirit powerful? Well, Paul's saying, it's not by persuasive words. That's not the way that the Spirit works. Instead, it's by God's power when I preach the message and God uses that message. In other words, Paul is confident in the gospel. And we need to hear this because the temptation is there to just change the message, to just make it a bit easier to talk to people, to make it a bit more attractive. Uh, Let me give you an example of what I mean. Um, This is what I read in a blog once, just talking about the world that we live in. So this is on a blog. It's on the screen here. Uh, It's kind of saying, how do we be better people? Okay, And they're saying, for many of us, there's an underlying feeling of not being good enough, wanting to be better, wanting to be in a better shape or better at things. This isn't something we think about much, but it's there in the background. What if, what if we applied unconditional acceptance of who we are? What if we took a good look at ourselves, our body, our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, and said, 
You are perfectly okay. You are perfectly good. Now, friends, I'm not sure what you're thinking as you read this. But this is the world that we live in. The world that you and I live in says anything that affirms who I am, anything that says I'm doing a good job is good. And anything that denies me, anything that says I'm wrong is bad. And into this world, the gospel of Jesus Christ says that we have a big problem, that we're sinners. That it's so big that Christ Jesus had to come into this world to die for us. That the only hope of salvation is if we turn to Jesus and follow him. And our sin is so powerful and big that if we don't rely on Jesus and his forgiveness, we are destined for hell. Can you feel how far that is from the world of you are good, you are okay? And so when you speak to people, you feel that temptation, don't you? Maybe I can just emphasize how Jesus makes us better. Maybe I can just minus certain things. Maybe I can leave certain things out and soften it to make it more palatable. But to this, the Bible's answer is, I will resolve to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, even though the gospel is hard, friends, it is the message that will save. On the final day, when you stand before the judgment throne, good feelings are not going to get you anywhere. Sturdy emotions are not going to get you anywhere. Feeling good is not going to get you anywhere. The only thing that will save people on the final day and right now is for people to repent and to follow the crucified Savior. And so this brings us then to the third point. What do we boast in? What do we boast in? Verse 30, But it's from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, In order that as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Notice that Paul makes this shift. So verse 29, he's saying, let no one boast. You know, so no one can boast in themselves. And then he jumps from verse 31. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. The one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Now, what's in between? How does he go from don't boast in this to boasting in the Lord? Well, what's in between... It's all about Jesus. That's the shift that happens. It's all about Jesus. And what Paul wants us to do is he wants us to be excited. He wants us to have this shift and be excited about what it means to know Jesus. See, what do we get excited about? You know, if you ask yourself, what kind of really gets the wheel happening? What, you know, if you're thinking about the coming week, oh, tomorrow's Monday, that's terrible. What am I really excited about? Maybe it's Friday next week, you know, I get excited about holidays or I get excited about having a nice meal or I get excited about iPads and stuff like that. Maybe Christmas, hopefully, right? These are the things we get excited about. But the Bible says what we should be excited about is Christ. That God demonstrates his 
true wisdom by giving us everything, everything that is important in life in Christ. Righteousness, being completely blameless before God. Sanctification, being set apart by God. Redemption, being completely free. Um, Let me just illustrate why these are so good. Um, So believe it or not, from time to time, I get in a fight with my wife. And uh, I've asked her permission, so it's okay for me to tell you guys this. Um, But when we get in a fight, it's just the worst. Like, really, if you've ever been in a fight with someone and you, you know that you're not on speaking terms, or you are on speaking terms, but the issue is still there. It's just the worst, you know. It, it colors everything. It, it just affects everything in the way that you relate. And it's just really, really hard. Now, by the grace of God, often uh, when I get in a fight with my wife, afterwards we'll sit down and we'll have a talk, we'll work out what the issue was, and uh, whoever was wrong will apologize, usually both of us end up apologizing um, and we forgive one another. And, and you know what? When we've, we've worked out the issue, when we've really resolved it, you know, not just kind of like the sorry, you know, like the real, real apology. Like when we've worked it out, it's just the best feeling. It's just so good for that relationship to be restored. Now, we, when we come before God without Christ, we are sinners. We hate him. We don't want him to be part of our life, and it's terrible. But when we realize who Jesus is, and we follow him, and we trust in him, and we grasp hold of all the promises that are in Christ, we are made completely righteous. We stand before God on judgment day, and we are completely blameless before him. And we are sanctified, completely holy before God. And we are redeemed. God has bought us and he says, you are mine. You know, that is a wonderful, incredible truth. And once you grasp it, once you understand this, then it will drive you to go, well, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Because what's important for me? What's significant? What do I want to be known for? Well, the thing that is heaviest in my life is actually knowing Jesus. Because in him, I have everything. And so, brothers and sisters, I just want to ask, what are the things in your life right now that you want to boast about? What are the things that you want to boast about? I think for some of us, It's the lifestyle. You know, we want to go on the overseas holiday. We want to go to those great parties because we just want other people to see our life and go, wow, they look like they're having fun. You know, that's why social media is so good because now not only can we have fun, but we can let other people know about it, right? (laughs) So so, so for some of us, it's the lifestyle. Uh, For others, and I think this is my one, it's the skills, It's wanting people to admire us for the person we are. That people go, he's the competent person or she's the the go-to person for the job. If I need someone to do something, I know I can rely on this person. Um, and, And for some of us, I think, we just want to be known. We want our name to be on the lips of other people when they go, hey, let's go out. I need to invite this person. 
We want to be part of the in-group. Friends, the Bible says all these things will one day come to nothing. The greatest holiday trip one day will come to nothing. It doesn't matter if people are not impressed by you. It doesn't matter if people don't know your name. Because what truly matters is, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Because if you know him, you have something much more to offer. You have Christ and all that he has. You are known by God. And you know God. And in him, you have everything. And so, Paul says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's, encu- let's keep encouraging one another to do that, eh? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we cannot boast in ourselves. We cannot boast in our skills. But what we can boast in is that we know Christ. And we want other people to know about Jesus because he is so wonderful. He is the only one that is truly worth boasting about. And so, Father, we pray that this would shape everything that we do. And we ask it in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen.